Welcome to Because You Need to Know. I am Edwin K. Morse, President and Founder of Pioneer Knowledge Services. This series is your digital resource of valuable conversations with nonprofit and knowledge management enthusiasts from across industries and from around the globe. Goedenavond allemaal. Dit is heerlijk om vanavond hier samen met jullie te wees en ek sien so uit na hierdie gesprek. Good evening everyone. So this is me. I'm Hanli Smuts. I'm saying hello in my first language, Afrikaans. I'm all the way from South Africa. I am living in Pretoria, which is in the Gauteng province in South Africa. I am an associate professor at University of Pretoria. That is one of our universities here in the north of the country. Actually, when I joined university on a full-time basis, my colleagues in industry said, oh, you went across to the dark side. Absolutely loving the academic environment. I still engage with industry a lot, and I have the opportunity to actually solve business problems through research. I started my career, you know, as a software developer, as a systems analyst, a business analyst. Also during this time, I, I was really very interested in knowledge management. In industry, in our company at that time, which was in the telecommunications sector, we outsourced our information technology department. The knowledge that we lost through this outsource arrangement totally outweighed the benefit that was actually part of the business case to, to outsource our IT department in the first place, right? So the services did not make up for the knowledge that we lost. So my PhD study at that time and my interest in knowledge management it sort of just provided the context for the study. And my study then particularly looked at the knowledge flows in IT outsourcing and also managing the new knowledge that is created. Um, now, let me talk a little bit about my last project in industry. I had the wonderful opportunity to um, start up a joint venture for a telecommunication company that I worked at. And the purpose of the startup was to create a insurance product for the mass market in Africa. Yeah? To give you an idea, these are people that live on less than $2 a day. Apart from experiencing different cultures, the way that people do things, that people do things differently to what we do, we also dealt with lack of connectivity. Um, some, I guess, unique issues that we deal with in Africa, lack of connectivity where there's no Wi-Fi, um, using um, 2G phones, for example, where you cannot just launch a mobile application. You had to write and develop USSD applications. Um, over and above the fact that I could experience this engagement in Africa, part of the deliverables was a knowledge base. So you can imagine that you have to start up an operation in an African country. Now, both telecommunication and insurance are regulated, so you need licenses. Part of what we had to do was to create a repeatable blueprint, a knowledge base that enabled the rest of the operations to reference um, and to roll out very quickly. Yeah, So it was quite an interesting project. And then just how we applied the knowledge, the lessons learned. When did you first find out or discover knowledge management? So I guess learning was always part of the way that I worked and it was one of my objectives. You know, if I could teach um, someone, I was very happy. Um, if I could learn something new, I was very happy. So this exchange and learning and exchange of knowledge was something that was always part of my role. The telecommunication industry where I worked in 
we had a collaboration among uh, operating companies. Knowledge sharing and- I, I and was more particularly trying to find out when did you first find the doctrine or the knowledge management framework actually called knowledge management? What was your first introduction? Oh, got it. Um, it was actually when I completed my academic study. So although it was always inherent part of my mm -hmm. engagement and my role, the formal consideration of frameworks of knowledge exchanges of the SECI model, you know, the, the knowledge pyramid, all of this, only really when I completed my master's and my PhD study. And I had the wonderful opportunity because I worked in industry when I did and completed these studies, I could apply what I've learned mm -hmm. in my job and the company sure. allowed me to to do it that way. That's a satisfying feeling, isn't it? When Absolutely. actually the academic structure is actually applying to your real life. Absolutely, totally agree with that. The barriers to adoption and adaption. What are, what are specific in knowledge management do you find, especially now in an academic structure, what's the biggest hindrance to knowledge management where you are? These two aspects that I um, can highlight. The first is, you know, people perceive knowledge management to be fuzzy. So when I deal with CFOs, for example, and you ask for funding, then it is just, oh, no, this is too fuzzy. But what's in it for the company? How will it generate revenue? How will it contribute to our bottom line? Or people just see it as part of a system. Oh, but we have a knowledge management system. The fact that no one accesses the system, that the knowledge in the system is old, that it's not validated, right. etc. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that's sort of the one aspect to it. I think the other aspect to it is the evolution of technology that we see now. So data is generated at such an unprecedented pace that organizations realize that there's knowledge in the data. Yeah. And, but what do we do? How do we, how do we get the knowledge and that insight out of the data? So that for me is the second um, aspect that in, in here with us is a lot of conversation um, around those two aspects now. What is the industry that's leading in knowledge management as you see it where you are? Do you see a segment that's way ahead and a, a segment, an industry segment that's way behind? That is a more difficult one for me to say, um, Edwin, I must be honest. There is pockets of really good practice and best practice. In South Africa now, um, I am also uh, the deputy chair for the Knowledge Management South Africa board. And we are in the process of professionalizing a knowledge management practitioner as a career, right, as a role. So if I think about people in the society that I get to engage with, these pockets, even in government, mm -hmm. in, in municipalities in South Africa, that is really doing um, excellent work. In the private sector, there's also pockets uh, technology, more, mostly in the ICT sector, technology-driven uh, companies, also some of the digital native enterprises that um, is really doing excellent work. But it's almost like they didn't have to transform from some older framework or of some prior knowledge yeah you know when they started they started with a new thinking they hired in the right people with the right knowledge to actually take this new sort of vision and um, forward 
where would you say the country is or the you, you said municipalities you're seeing that happen there yes. is there a top level knowledge management office is there a superstructure that's saying we're going this way like with the u.s we had opendata.gov right. and all those big things that made things a yes, little more yes. transparent um i'm not a bit aware of one particular um, area knowledge management at a government or at national level um, forms part of an existing a department as a society though we do have we do have the opportunity to influence mm. and to to serve on boards or think tanks is anyone in your area or by region or industry looking at the iso for knowledge management as a foundational uh, yeah so we are using or referencing the iso 3041 of 2018 um, quite a bit but mostly in organizational consulting mm. type aspects yeah um, we are part of a broader um, global network we, we are providing input and thinking around um, mm. institutionalizing mm. it if you like or using it as a maturity type yes. assessment and then also accredit yes. people yes. practitioners right so we are part of the of an international um, mm. body that look after or that is busy with that process. I found that that ISO when it came out that it was like a punch in the arm yes. that knowledge management really needed to bring a substantial framework across the globe because there seemed to be such yes. a hodgepodge or a mismatch of what's knowledge management. You know, how do you do it? How do yes. you, you know, and all those things. Uh, but then I've heard, conversely, I've heard just as many folks saying, yeah, it didn't do anything, it didn't help. And two um, organizations where we um, used it, um, it was applied to, to almost do like a um, gap analysis, mm. to say, but, you know, they said that this is our practice in our organization. And uh, in order to sort of put a stake in the ground to say, okay, but this is where we can improve, mm -hmm. I think that makes it a very practical and applicable tool. An excellent point. And I think a lot of organizations kind of miss that easy first step. Yeah. Instead of trying to figure out how to do things, just do a gap analysis to see what's yes. missing first. Exactly. So exactly. how do you define knowledge management? That's an interesting aspect of a question. From an academic um, perspective, you know, I have all the definitions and there is so many definitions. You know, the old traditional thinking about data, zeros and ones, when you add context to data, it now becomes mm -hmm. information. When you group information, you now get knowledge, right? And especially now with the large data sets, because, because I also do some work in big data management, it has sort of changed my view about how I think about knowledge and knowledge management. Um, I read somewhere where the, the person actually said data equals knowledge. Yeah, that sort of puts a question mark, I guess, on the way that we think about a knowledge and then the particular and the specific role of data. For me, it is sort of twofold, I guess in the way that I apply it, expertise and the knowledge and the skills and the competencies and the know-how. But there is also a very practical side for me um, to it. And that is the application, the sharing, the learning component of it. So what you're saying is it's, a, it, it's actually kind of changed. Right. Yes. I, I mean, with the technology advances and how we're going trajectory wise, well, what the future is going to be, yes. I, I would say there's two schools of thought on knowledge management definition. It only exists in your head 
knowledge is in your head. Uh, it's not external. Yes. But as the integration possibilities exist between yeah. the biomass, the human element, and the digital or electronic or hardware software components, those two worlds are starting to come together very much so. Will there be a definable difference yeah. between internal, external at some point if we get to the point of when we become merged with digital yes. technology? I, I think there's a lot to discover yes, yes. and there's, it helps to establish foundational agreeance. I think there's just a lot that's on the verge of discovery or understanding. And that's what's so exciting about everything. Exciting, yes. <laughs> you know, you just got to start stocking up on your good science fiction shows yes. and, and movies and books yes. to see where we're going next. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for being a part of our knowledge exchange. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Edwin. It was great working with you and learning from you. Because You Need to Know is designed to bring people's experience and their knowledge forward to be shared. I'm Edwin K. Morris, and I thank you for joining in to listen to another conversation brought to you as a public service of Pioneer Knowledge Services, a nonprofit tax-exempt organization with a charitable knowledge management purpose. Find us online at pioneer-ks.org and add your voice to the conversation on Facebook.